any given Monday. The weekend's over, the final sirens have sounded. We've got our winners and losers, our champs and our chumps. Any given Monday. So now it's time to look back and evaluate all the games, dramas and controversies from the best sport in the world. Any given Monday. So forget about those back-to-work blues and settle in for this week's edition of Any Given Monday. Please join your hosts, author and historian Dr Dan Eddy and local football expert Owen Carter as they're joined by special weekly guests for your most comprehensive wrap of the weekend's action. Let's get to it. Any Given Monday. Well, good morning and welcome to another edition of Any Given Monday, your favourite wrap of all things football from the past, I would say the past round, but I've sort of got to say the past week in a bit because it's uh, been a very different uh, week for everybody, but uh, Dr Dan Eddy here with you along with our favourite footy expert, Owen Carter. How are you, mate? Thank you for that very kind introduction, Dr. Dan. Nice to be talking to you about footy again, and hello, listeners. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a week of non-stop footy, really. It's been... I've had to get my head around what is happening with what round we're in, and uh, I think we've just ticked into round 11, but it's uh, it's, been, <laughs> it's been a... Been a uh, tough to get your head around what's, what's going on. You just take it for granted there's a game on the next night but uh it's a bit strange to piece it all together at the moment how are you going trying to keep track of everything yeah all the days are sort of melding into one another and as you say there's a game on every night and i wasn't i must say i wasn't overly a fan of the double headers on wednesday and thursday you sort of think of those as your your rest days and then all of a sudden oh crap there's a game on it 5 30 in the <laughs> afternoon <laughs> so, yeah uh managed to catch a, a bit of those and then realise you've got another one to follow that. So, yeah, it's been an interesting period, hasn't it, with uh, game on every day and we've started off the week with round 10 and now we're into round 11. Yeah, it, 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 it's great. It's great having it. No, I've got KO, so I'm watching it through the KO Sports um, on, the, on the TV there. But uh, for those that don't have Foxtel or KO, I believe that... You, I don't know if you have or not, but they're... Um, if you've only got Channel 7 to go off, I don't think you're getting every game, are you? So no. how are you set up? Are you able to access every game? Well, I'm lucky enough to be a Telstra customer. Um, most will say that um, I'll be overcharged a lot, but uh, I get free access to the AFL app, so every single game I've got access to, so no issues there. Beautiful. Well, uh, well, there is one issue, and that's your wife just <laughs> just, just saying, uh, oh, I think we've had enough footy for we've, one week. We've, we've got an agreement. Uh, it's in place. So, so far, so good. <laughs> Very tolerant woman, that wife of yours. She's a gem. <laughs> Absolute gem. Yes. Um, I reckon she could probably, if she's watched any of the footy along with you this week, she could probably... Um, I dare say she's been convinced to go out and buy you your Father's Day present early because uh, pretty much every ad at the moment is for Shane Warne's perfume. (laughs) (laughs) I I can tell you now, uh, she's got no desire for me to smell like Shane Shane Warne whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to know because I picture... The only smell I could come up with was a mixture of sweat and cigarette. 
Yeah, uh, baked beans might be in there as well. Just oh, baked be- oh yeah, what a mixture. Warney, the, yeah, the deodorant. I'm not, uh. I'm not sure that'd be marketable just quietly. Yeah, No, well, something works for him because uh, he's flooding the ad market at the moment. I see him in the background of the footy screen, um, like on the billboards behind the when the games are on. And, um, yeah, Warney, our favourite cricketer. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's branched out post-cricket. No, I don't really uh, keep up with a lot of where he, where he heads with some of this <laughs> stuff. But it's making him a million bucks, no doubt. So um, good luck to him. But, uh, yeah, I'm probably lucky I don't have someone who's going to be buying me that. Yeah, you're very, very lucky. Well, the beauty of Warney is a very good self-promoter, isn't he? And um, anything he does, and most people are across due to his self-promotion. And speaking of promotion, mate, uh, word is your new book is ready to go. Yes. Um, yeah, nice parcel. Dad's the mailman in, in the Langather area and uh, got a knock on the door. Uh, yeah, Wednesday or Thursday morning, and uh, Dad had a big smile on his face with a couple of boxes there. And it's always my, I guess, my proudest moment of the year when the new books or new books arrive. So it was a, it was a big thrill for them, and they look they look fantastic, Crimo. So we'll uh, we'll definitely uh, discuss that more going forward. We'll uh, we'll do something for the listeners. We'll do a giveaway or or something, but they'll have to tune in and uh, uh, answer some questions possibly. But um, yeah, so it, it is exciting, and um, I know Maddie Dunn at Paper News is uh, going to do a big write-up for me, so I'm looking forward to that in the next uh, couple of weeks. It's not technically out yet, but you can actually buy them already off me if you if you ask me nicely. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't even have to ask nice, to be honest, but um, no, I sent, sent Peter Hudson his copy this week, um, so I'm looking forward to hearing what his teammates think of the story. No, definitely be good, especially if you're a massive Hawthorne fan. Uh, definitely one to to get your hands on Hawks fans. And yeah, uh, as Dan says, we'll we'll cover that a bit later when it's officially launched. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we'll probably get Bob Keddie or someone back on and um, have a good chat with him because Bob and Crimo were best of mates. And there's a couple of photos of them in the book, so we might do that. And uh, Bob can tell us all about the great man. Excellent, excellent. Um, uh, Moving off uh, topic uh, just slightly, um, good to see Matty Rowell got resigned by the Suns. Well, from a Suns perspective, anyway. Yeah, it's a good. good time Sorry, Matt, I had no no clean segue for that. So. No, no, all good. No, no. <laughs> uh, but that's but you're right. It's, he's um, he, he's shown that he's pretty keen. I mean, he's a first year player and he's down there on the on the bench. You know, the arm in the sling, he's got the headset on and he just he's just craves being involved and being part of it. And he, I get the sense he's almost... He might be a young Brett Ratton in the sense that he's just... His head's already there, it's already in the game and he probably can't get enough footy, which was I think was what Brett Ratton was like when he came into the league in the mid-90s. So that's a, good, that's a great sign for the Gold Coast. And the fact he wants to stay there, as I'm sure a lot of those kids will... Um, they obviously love what Stewie Jew's doing. They love what the administration's doing. It helps when you're in games, but um, yeah, it's pretty positive stuff. Mm. And you and I were just uh, chatting off air about the coaches' votes. Uh, he was in—he's still in the top ten. Uh, <laughs> he, he's missed what the last three games or so. Yeah, so he's only played two or two and a bit games, hasn't he? Two and a bit, I think. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. So something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so he's still in the running, so that uh, that says everything about this wacky year. But yeah, imagine if he had have stayed out there. 
Uh, yeah, well, uh, dare say Suns might have a few more wins on the board. Yeah, for sure, and we'll talk about them shortly. But I guess we go back uh, Monday. We'll, we'll try and uh, get you up to date here. Monday, Port Adelaide, the start of round 10, that was. It seems like a lifetime ago, but Port Adelaide and the Bulldogs. Matty Dunn at the Paper News has asked us not to talk about the Bulldogs <laughs> this week because his boys have dropped a couple. But um, you know, I know I know one bloke on social media who... who He's tweeted out, you know, um, I hate Monday night footy because his dog's lost. And then the next week it's I hate Wednesday night footy because the <laughs> dog's lost. He's had a couple of bad losses, so he's not happy with the midweek games. His dogs aren't getting the job done. But And we'll talk about Port Adelaide's more recent win shortly. But uh, the, dogs, the dogs led until into the third quarter. And mm. then, then it just sort of went pear-shaped and Port Adelaide put on a great third term and got the chocolates and ended up getting up 8 7 55 to 5 12 42 so the the kicking obviously wasn't uh, ideal but Port Adelaide as we've seen in the last few days are um, very much the real deal so for the dogs to get within a couple of goals and to have missed so many shots isn't isn't disastrous yeah, um, uh, having a look at this game, they say the dogs uh, were right into it, and they they're on top early, and just didn't put enough scoreboard pressure onto onto Port. And Port, when they did get on top, uh, they're just a bit more dangerous up forward. I felt, and you know, got a. Uh, Blokes like Zach Butters playing break, breakout games, like he's obviously played good games before, but when you've got a bit of a spread of contributors like uh, Robbie Gray and Dixon kicking a couple each and Pal Pepper and Laddams and Farrell and Wine start chipping in and some of those blokes are really starting to come into their own, uh, especially in the most recent game that they played. But uh, I'll tell you what, dogs are lucky. Um, there's a couple of teams that aren't travelling so well at the moment, including the dogs, and they've got some small to mid-sized four forwards that are doing the bulk of the work uh, for the dogs that's mitch wallace um he's they're very lucky they've got him down here or down there rather uh he's uh doing a lot of the forward craft down there that should be done by some of the taller blokes and uh saint bloke yeah, uh, <laughs> I was uh, trying to uh, not mention his name because I've uh, given it, given him a bit of a, a pounding uh, the last few weeks, but uh, he's I just described him as a liability. Like I get that Bruce is there if he's not there to take the marks, he's there the there to bring it down to ground but neither of those things were happening uh, mm. as soon as it hit the ground uh, like he wasn't even getting to the marking contest he'd run no. underneath it or he was pushed out and there, there's something something wrong there um, probably a confidence thing I would have I would have thought so uh, a lot of a lot for the dogs to sort of look at there and I know later game that we'll touch on Norton's back in that didn't necessarily work for them either but mm. yeah uh, blokes like Sam Lloyd uh, who they got from Richmond that's not necessarily working for them either uh, so yeah while their back line is probably functioning reasonably well um, yep. their mids sort of tend to break up between who's contributing well and who's not. They're not necessarily getting an even spread throughout each of their games. So, Whereas Port, on the other hand, they're getting that more often than not and um, each sort of section of the ground is functioning, for the most part, to the maximum capacity. Yeah, for sure. And I'd, I'd just written 
it's funny you mentioned Bruce. I'd I'd written down in my notes. Well, you Bruce, in fairness, you mentioned Bruce, not me. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and Carter, our fence sitter here. In, uh, <laughs> no, I've got splinters up my bum. <laughs> um, um, but I'd actually I'd written down Bruce and I'd written down Charlie Dixon and I had a cross near Bruce and a tick near Dick, near Dixon and uh, um, that was the difference in. Yeah. One club had a bloke that they knew they could kick to and just trust to kick to him. And I know he's bigger than Bruce, but um, he gives you a contest. He must he must come out of each game with so many bruises, Charlie, because he's mm. just uh, – I wrote the word war horse. He's just like mm. this battle horse that just keeps going. And, and we'll go into him more with the Richmond game um, because he was outstanding again. But, uh, yeah, that was a, a standout from that game against the Dogs that – um, Port just had this bloke, this man mountain who um, you could just build your. Uh, it was Jack and the Beanstalk stuff. You could just build your mm. whole forward line around this one bloke, and how the doggies would crave that. And they certainly, I guess, they had Tom Boyd there in their premiership year. That was someone mm. that you knew you could kick to. He'd give you a contest and that. But uh, yeah, the doggies are sorely missing that because other blokes, Dan, um, yeah, Daniel and uh, Libba and uh, as you said, Wallace. These blokes are giving. 200% but when no one's up there to finish it off yeah anyway uh, Richmond Brisbane up at the Gabba we thought this might be the test for um, might be the test for Brisbane to be able to yep. put their hand up and say okay we're, we're the real deal and they are pretty much a real deal but they're to go to that next level they needed to really knock off a big scalp like yep. the Tigers um, but they weren't able to get the job done they were they were really other than leading in the first quarter after that, it was pretty much all Richmond, really. 12, 10, 82 to 4, 17, the Lions, uh, 41. And, yeah, well, that says something. If you make a, make the most of your chances early, uh, they're 3-8 at half time, And, you know, if that's 8-3, it's a different game. So yep. there's positives out of it. But overall, you just thought Richmond just had that extra gear that they could go to. Yeah, I definitely felt that as well. And as I say, if Brisbane had a kick straight, we might have been talking about a different game, but it, that's not the way it played out. And Richmond did look better than uh, what the Lions did. Uh, Lions wasted forward 50 entries early for mine. And as as we've said before, the kicking for goal was atrocious. Uh, Richmond got on top of the game. Uh, and Brisbane's... When, well, rather, when Richmond got on top of the game, should I say, uh, Brisbane's field kicking failed them a bit too. So, uh, or I felt anyway. That was something that I noticed. Uh, Shy Bolton has been a really good injection for, for Richmond in the middle. Uh, I've spoken to a couple of Richmond fans and they've said he's, he was a bit wasted out on sort of a half order or a half back or, or a flank wherever he was being played. And as soon as he's been injected into that middle, he's he's been nothing short of amazing. Um Nice little purple patch for him, and he's done really well. Complimented Dusty's uh, uh, in the guts and winning the contested ball. And Jesus, you underestimate how much of a bull Dusty is sometimes. And he's so so strong in the core and the legs. And I've noticed several times two blokes trying to tackle him down, and it takes often takes a third bloke just to try and get him down. And by that time, he's already got rid of the ball. Uh, Liam Baker's 
probably been a bit unsung in the last couple of weeks as well. He's doing some good things for the Tigers as well. And uh, Blake from Beaconsfield, Jake Arts, who I know our good friend uh, Russell Bennett will be all across. Uh, he's uh, done quite well since coming into that side. He yeah. pops up and snags a few goals. So, um, But Richmond's starting to hit their straps. A uh, whole bunch of contributors across the board there. And Brisbane just had an off night, I think. Yeah, and and I'd, I'd written down Baker as well and also Short. Um, you know, mm. a couple of those, and then as you say, Arts, like some of those blokes buzzing around the forward line are really creating havoc. And even if Jack Rewald isn't having a great night or Tom Lynch isn't doing a lot, um, they're at least making a contest. And these blokes then are just too too clever. As we've seen with the one that they let go to St Kilda, yep. he's having a fantastic year. They just had an abundance of those blokes who are just all you take any of them in your team at the moment. Absolutely. Um, we're getting through round 10 because we know we're already into round 11, but um, after that was Geelong and North. Geelong, uh, again, just just looked a, bit, a cut above, really. They had 25 mm. shots to 12 and won 13-12-90 to North's 9-3-57. I guess the bad thing for North was Benny Brown, who had a bad week, obviously, with uh, the announcement with his young uh, unborn child who didn't make it unfortunately but mm. um but he so he's had a rough week he'd been dropped had the personal issues and then he made the comeback and very early in the game he injured himself and I'm not sure how serious the injury is but it's a yeah it's a yeah hopefully he's going okay at the moment mentally Ben because it's been a really tough couple of weeks for him but you just thought oh not much not much going right for him at the moment. We all have those patches and yep. um Reece Shaw must have shook his head as well and thought, What are we doing wrong? But um not that he was in great form, but he just gives you that target to kick to. But other than that, I think the cats pretty much all night were the better team. Yeah, not great news for Ben Brown, as you say, and all the best to him. Hopefully he uh gets the right recovery time. But mm. yeah, the cats just well, I felt kept them at arm's length for majority of the night and just ended up running away with it in the last term and uh, something that uh, North did again on, on Sunday night as well against Melbourne, which we'll touch on later. But, uh, yeah, to, to North's credit, uh, for that three quarters, they didn't stop. There was times where Geelong threatened to pull away and they, they kept coming back at him. It was just that last quarter where it was just a bit of party time for for Geelong and pulled on a few junk time goals. Um, Cats, uh, the Cats mids, the elite mids, so yourself was in your danger field. So when it was starting to get a little bit too close for comfort for Chris Scott, he just chucked them in the middle and they just did what they did. And I think that was the difference in in the end, uh, ultimately. Uh, Cam Guth... Yeah, Duncan, Duncan had some class too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah I think they missed him for a, a couple of weeks though. He was out, and Cam Guthrie uh, has had has strung together a really good couple of damaging games. Um, the, I think at the start of the year, he was probably that sort of secondary rotation through the midfield or uh, the, the third stringer and like to your Dangerfields and your Selwoods. And when those blokes started to get a couple of niggles and you see Dangerfield starting the forward line and Selwood had his hamstring injury, then he's had to step up. And that might have taken him a couple of weeks to get used to, but he's, he's definitely taken it on board and he's showing his class now, I think. Yeah. Um yeah, I think we've covered that. Uh, Melbourne, Melbourne, Adelaide. Now we talk about a way. We talk about the uh, the clash jumpers. I love the Melbourne back to the eighties coloured, slightly different coloured blue. Um, 
which was very much their 80s uniform. Uh, I love it. It's probably only second, I reckon, to the when Brisbane used the Fitzroy jumpers, which I think is the best class jumper you can you can have. It's outstanding. Um, but I, I just that, just that stood out to me that in the Melbourne Adelaide game was the D's running around in the the eighties blue um, uniform. I, I loved it going back to the old days. But and I just thought it, re- it was really looked great. But um, it's funny. The main thing I wrote about this Melbourne Melbourne were on a bit of a hiding to nothing because um, mm. they were expected to win, and if they didn't, it was disaster. But it shows the media cycle, doesn't it, and how quickly it can change and. You know they're basically calling for um, Simon Goodwin's head uh, <laughs> leading up to that game, and then they come out and you know they hand Adelaide a decent, a decent hiding, particularly after three quarter time. They they kick seven goals to one and and won thirteen ten eighty eight to five seven thirty seven. But um, it was it was a tough full credit to the Crows for three quarters. But you know they go and win that game. Media probably backs off him a little bit. Then they win again this weekend against North. So even though they're two bottom teams, um, mm. you wonder whether they just seize up on him now. And then you know it, it just it, it chops and changes so much. It must be tough being the family of a coach or a or a high profile player when you have a couple of bad weeks and the media start their campaign to try and. Um, get some headlines by getting you sacked basically um, <laughs> and uh, full credit to the D's for sticking at it but um, I don't know maybe the president did his rev up might have helped then Bartlett <laughs> gave him a bit of a spray but uh, they've been they've been pretty good uh, against the bottom couple of teams in the last two weeks but the D's have won games now that they should have won so it keeps them in the mix Yeah well they're ones they had to win isn't it um, I'll tell you what if they'd lost them they'd be Big, big, big calls for Goodwin's head, I would have thought. Yep. So, um, look, look, I was sort of sitting through this game and thinking, well, this is the... At halftime, I was sitting there thinking, this is the best opportunity Adelaide's had to win probably since your Mob the Bombers. Yes. So, yeah. they actually stuck with them for at least that first half and they started to... Oh, the Ds started to pull away probably uh, just towards the end of that that third quarter. Uh, and then, then it was party time in the last quarter where Adelaide just gave up the ghost. Um, so Crows just don't have a forward line. Even with Taylor Walker in there, he's, the commentators were saying he's lost his spring. And Yeah, it was noticeable. Uh, it was noticeable. Yeah, he just as soon as up. he said it, though, it was, it, was, it was noticeable. You're right. And um, it, it, I think it was Dermy even said it, he wouldn't be surprised if he called it quits at the end of the year. So yeah. um, just watching... Walker's body language around um, the other guys as well just seemed like tokenism congratulations when a bloke kicked a goal or, or did something good and his teammates didn't seem too interested in him so maybe that's uh, sort of remnants of the the failed 2018 pre-season coming back to haunt them and probably just need a, a fresh uh, fresh start down at Adelaide and clean out a, a few uh Bits of dead wood, and your your core players there are not playing great. So, and do you think? Try, try, sorry, you go. Do you think they can win a game? It's hard to see at the moment, isn't it? Like well, yeah. So, round they eleven, let, yeah. they've got Collingwood this this week. Well, that you chalk that up as a loss at Adelaide Oval, um, and then they've got the Bulldogs at Metricon. So that's. Probably you'd think the dogs, but well, they'd start yeah. favourite. But well, that'd the be thing a is, chance. Yeah. Dogs have shown enough to say that they can 
they've got enough artillery to beat Adelaide, whereas Adelaide have just shown all season they, they can't kick a winning score. Nah, and then they've got Geelong the next game, again at Adelaide Oval, but yeah, um, yeah I guess no game's easy for them, but no, it's I think 1964, Fitzroy's probably the last winless season, so um, it's a record that you really don't want to have to have. But, uh, no, it's, a, it's an odd position for Adelaide too. They're not, they haven't yeah. been in this position before. So I know they've no. been down towards the, the bottom of the ladder in some way, shape or form, but not in a winless capacity like they no, are now. That's right. No, it'd be, when, when Port's on top and they're on the bottom, I... I uh, dread to think what the local newspapers are like over there because they'll be they'll be into <laughs> oh, them. One yeah. one thing on Melbourne that is really standing out, and they've got a you know twenty two great contributors at the moment, but mm. great signs. Young um, Luke Jackson and um, Sam Wiedemann. Sam, yes, uh, yep, yeah. Um, yep, those up. two up forward, just starting to get some games. Wiedemann's getting a few more games under his belt. Jackson's already showing a bit when he gets a bit more muscle and maybe a bit more coordinated he's still a bit gangly and a bit um, all limbs everywhere but he he has a crack and to think that they can have those two up in the forward line for the next decade is is a very exciting thing for Melbourne fans I think yeah, and they, they were helped greatly for, with service from Clayton Oliver, who had an absolute cracker of a game. Um, and Viney as that's well, yeah. Best game I've seen him play in, in quite some time. And Christian Salem had a really damaging game too. He had a got on the end of a lot of handballs, probably from Clayton Oliver as well. Um, but as I say, uh, I think they dropped Tom McDonald for that game. So they... They had to have some forwards stand up, and as you say, Luke Jackson, which I th- I think he got the Rising Star on, did you say? Good question. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty I sure he did. Right. Yeah. yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, he did. Yep. And, um, and deservedly so. He's um, yeah, yeah. He's really added something to that team, and he can go into the ruck for a bit as well. Yeah, and uh, Wiedemann can play. I think Melbourne's criticism of him is he he's either in or out of a game, so he's either playing really well in a game or he's not playing well at all. So I think that's that's the challenge he's got to just get that consistency and as soon as he gets that we'll, we'll see Melbourne winning a few more games what about the Magpies uh, they were 0-6 at quarter time against the Swans and then <laughs> all us non-Collingwood fans were getting pretty excited they were 2-10 trailing Swans five goals at half time and you thought wow we're in for you know it wasn't exactly the prettiest game in the world but you just thought wow we're in for a major upset here and then Third quarter, they kicked three goals to none, and then in the last turn, they kicked uh, one goal to one, and they they held on to win the Pies uh, six fourteen fifty to six five forty one. I know the Pies had a couple of injuries, didn't they? But mm. uh, and then great to see. Um, was that the Callum Brown goal at the end there? Was that uh, that game? Josh Dacos. Uh, Josh, yeah, yeah, Dacos, yeah. You had the father-son um, bit, just the wrong father-son. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> exciting, those two running around, even for someone who doesn't like Collingwood. Uh, it's exciting to uh, see them running around. And, yeah, Dacos, uh, you can pretty much find an almost similar goal from his dad of mm. uh, many years back. So, yeah, the lessons have rubbed off, but that was a serious effort by the Swans when they they're undermanned, as we know. And I know the Pies lost a couple during the game and might might hurt them going forward as well. But they just had to find a way to get over the line, and just that bit bit of extra class got them there. 
Yeah, they did what they had to do, didn't they? Um, yeah, and as you say, that Dacos goal, I tweeted out that he channeled his old man kicking that goal, and I wasn't the only one. There was plenty of others with the same sentiment. So, yeah, that, that was the one that broke the Sydney back, and the wet, greasy conditions, you couldn't really see Sydney pegging their way back from there. Um, How's the... Yeah. It was the leg injury to Young Quainer. Oh, that was horrific, Oof. wasn't it? You sort of looked at it live during the game and go, well, what's going on here? He, yeah. he hasn't broken anything by the looks of it. And yeah. then the pitcher comes out a bit later and a massive gash. So, massive uh, gash. Apparently, according to... Uh, uh, I have someone on Twitter that used to run a sports store and he was very quick to announce that the boot was standard issue and the pitcher he provided did not have any metal stops in it. But being replacement uh, or a boot that you can replace the studs on, it's obviously very easy to switch oh, them okay. out. And I'm pretty sure Nick Rewald came out throughout the week as well, and he mentioned that probably 60%. I might have that percentage wrong, so don't quote me on that. But it was a um, lot. It was a lot. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah. There'll be plenty of players running around with metal stops in their boots. So this this incident just happened to highlight the fact that uh, someone was running around with them, and maybe we need the umpies back in the rooms before game just. Uh, stud checking and blokes yeah. uh, lining up on the wall with their hands on the wall and sticking yeah, boots in the air back, yeah, life, back in the old days yeah I know I used to wonder why they bothered doing it they'd, they'd come into our rooms when I was just playing like, country footy and they'd come into your rooms and check your stops you thought what are you doing that for I haven't got knives under there but uh, now that I've seen <laughs> what now that I've seen I'm not, I don't think I ever had them oh I'm I don't think I had the metal ones. I think they were plastic. Or maybe early, yeah, I might have. I might have in junior footy had some metal ones. But uh, when you see the damage that could get done for something pretty simple, you think, wow, no wonder they were checking. Um, I assume that they did that with the AFL as well. But $40,000 fine if you get caught wearing them anymore. So I don't think we're going to see too many more metal stops in Aussie rules at the top level. Yeah, um, I just remembered uh, there was another interesting tweet that came out of that too. So Tommy Bug, who used to play for a couple of different teams, uh, uh, Carlton and GWS were a couple of them. And, um, actually, I don't think he played a game with Carlton, but uh, anyway, Melbourne. that's uh, semantics. Uh, he happened to mention that it was an interesting discussion point because uh, there was coaches when he was playing for Melbourne uh, that would have dropped him or players that weren't wearing metal studs. Yeah, right. So, because um, that would cause them to slip over with the, with the normal studs. So, yeah, right. that was an interesting point. And he, he did, well, he didn't allude. He actually said flat out that that was probably Brendan McCartney's main role while he was at Melbourne. So, that was a bit of a drive by from Tommy Buck there. Yeah, right. Um, speaking of slipping over or not, not keeping your feet. It's become a discussion point, um, and your our man from the local area, Tommy Papley's uh, the poster boy for the flop at the moment. <laughs> and let's be honest, um, let's be honest, we could go back uh, many years and uh, find dozens and dozens of examples of players that did that, and some did it smarter than others, and some did it with less cameras than there are today, so they probably didn't get singled out. But now every little you pick your nose on the field now and it's uh, critiqued to the uh, nth degree so uh, you can't hide from anything anymore as we saw yep. in the Richmond dressing room but uh, yeah with the Swans uh, Tommy Papley <laughs> he uh, he definitely played I can remember the, the, uh, 
as an Essendon fan, the great Darren Buick was always one who uh, he'd find a way to just just play something up and uh, the umpy had, had fall for it. But uh, And there's many others. You, you could go through every team and you'd find a few here and there. But uh, Tommy's the man now that uh, has probably been singled out and he'll be watched closer than anyone for the rest of his career. Yeah, he's got to watch himself now. And as you say, there's cameras everywhere and millions of eyes critiquing. So... I think the the problem with that one was it was so blatantly a flop. Um, like obviously, Maynard had the hands in the back, but there was hardly a push there. And I think the worst thing was that the umpire fell for it. So <laughs> I think yeah, exactly. uh, if he had his time back, he would uh, definitely be looking at that one a bit differently, I would have thought. But yeah, Tommy, um, I don't think he's going to be doing too much flopping now, um, or he might be a bit more clever about it because there's going to be too many people watching him doing that now. Yes. And um, he wasn't getting a lot of the footy. Mm, he's uh, had a couple of lean weeks. Yeah, um, so just focus on getting the footy for a couple of weeks, I reckon, Tom. Um, your boys got the footy against the Suns in what was uh, maybe a surprisingly very entertaining game, maybe not, um, but it was it was terrifically exciting, really. And I'm sure you were on the edge of your seat, but the Saints... Mm. The Suns got, they were up in the last quarter by uh, about 10 points at one stage and, yeah. and you just thought, they're going to get them here and then the Saints come home, 12-6-78 to 11-8-74. Isaac Rankin did a couple of spectacular things and you just, you really were on, you couldn't look away. It was a fantastic game, but I'll get you to tell us why it was good or bad from a St Kilda <laughs> perspective. Well, I uh, mentioned my wife previously at the start of this pod. Uh, she walked in and told me to walk away from the game because I was swearing too much. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, from a St Kilda supporter's p- perspective, uh, this was definitely a frustrating game to watch. Every time we, well, St Kilda tried to pull away, the Suns would get themselves back in and, and vice versa. So I can definitely see from a neutral perspective that that would have been a very exciting game to watch. Both teams had very high defensive pressure, but they were also playing attacking game styles. So once one of the teams got on top, they were starting to get a lot of run and carry, uh, good delivery into the forward line. Uh, and yeah, just a as you say, an exciting game to watch and um, I'm surprised I've still got hair and <laughs> our, yeah. our mate Sinkers up north. Uh, we'll, we'll know, I've used this analogy before, but <laughs> that's probably why he doesn't have any hair anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt Suns, uh, they were really good around the stoppages and they did actually clean up St Kilda around the stoppages. They structured really, really well and to the point where it was noticeable to probably the layperson watching it, as soon as the ball was won by a Suns player in in a in a contested ball situation there was probably three or four guys just waiting on the defensive side of the pack just ready to go and that's exactly what they did so from my perspective that was really really frustrating and I've said in previous podcasts um, when you're watching your team and an opposition player is frustrating the hell out of you you know he's a good player so Isaac Rankin did that to me so he's definitely one to watch for the future uh, but the big one Dan Butler didn't get 10 million touches, but what he did with the ball, I think, was the most important thing, and that's why he would have got three or two votes uh, from a lot of people watching that game because what he did counted, and I don't think many, if any, disposals by him were wasted uh, and the four goals. And in the end of that game, just really 
sort of spoke true as to a lot of people trying to talk him up for all australian selection yeah, we're only what uh, two-thirds of the way through the season so we've still got a little bit of game time to go uh and the other thing i wanted to point out was hunter clark as well yep. just his composure um I, probably through the through the throughout the game he wasn't necessarily as noticeable but just in that last five minutes when the game was on the line his ability to sum up the situation and do something yeah. damaging and, and effective with the ball was was really paramount and and noticeable um before i let you go <laughs> have your say um it was good to see uh more well boy ben ainsworth that was one of the better games i've seen him play for the suns he did quite a lot around the ground and while he didn't get a score on the board he he did a lot with it and presented as an option as a high half forward definitely yeah and uh and it was exciting as a neutral fan to to see the king brothers end to end and um that's pretty exciting for the years ahead uh to think that you've got both teams have got these um well it must have been thrilling just for the parents to to sit and watch that because Every time I went up there, you were just hoping one of them would uh, would clunk it, and uh, they didn't have amazing nights, but they just they just showed enough at, in patches to go wow. When these guys mature a bit, uh, it's pretty exciting for both teams, and they're kicking you know pretty good and strong marks, and they present really well. And yeah, it's an exciting time. So I, I love I love sort of watching each time it went into the forward line to see that. But um, you mentioned Dan Butler; he's got to be a a shoe in for all Australian at the moment, I would think, because um, I, I don't think the Saints would be where they are if he wasn't in the team at the moment. Mm, fair um, call, and that's yeah. No, everyone's lifted around that, but he he provides that. He does something each time. There's a need for something to happen. He just is there. He just makes it happen, and uh, they're the blokes you need to just step up when. The going gets tough, and you could—that's—that's your tipping point to maybe fall away, or and then he just provides that spark of energy. Doesn't necessarily have to be a goal, but just something that he does, and suddenly you all pick up again. Yeah, and uh, I've, got, I've got a bit of story behind Dan Butler. So I've got a, a very good mate of mine. He's a, a Richmond faithful. Uh, does a bit of work down the social club, and I remember him telling me a story of how he was watching a Richmond reserves game when Butler wasn't getting a senior game. So he was running around on Punt Road Oval one day, and uh, my mate of mine is just uh, sitting in the balcony uh, within a, a stone throw of Damien Hardwick, who happened to be watching that game on that particular day and happened to make mention of uh, Butler's inability to put on any defensive pressure in a VFL game. So I dare say that that was a contributing factor as to why Butler stopped getting a game at Richmond. And I think the fact that he's doing that at St Kilda now, uh, I don't think there'll be too many pleased Richmond supporters (laughs) watching him doing that in the red, white and black. No, well, it shows um, that can be a thing when players go to another club. It can just wake you up to what you need to do. I mean, he's a premiership player, isn't he? Um, so, I believe so, yeah, 2017. I'm pretty sure he won a flag. Yeah, there. so, you know, it wakes you up to time to pull your, ping, pull your finger out. You've probably got through that initial um, I'm an AFL player stage, and then you get to that next level where you go, geez, it's all going to be gone if I don't actually really knuckle down. And he's... Oh, he's got to be the recruit of the year at the moment. Um, we could do with him at Essendon. Uh, hmm. The Bombers, the Bombers blew one they shouldn't have lost really in the end because um, 
eight seven fifty five. The Bombers got done at the end by the Giants eight eleven fifty nine. First quarter is one of the most appalling first quarters you will see. <laughs> it was just it, and the commentators noted this, but neither team wanted to lose. No, neither team mm. wanted to give up. It was just there was zero dare. It was zero two to zero two at quarter time. There was no thought of attack. It was it was appalling. From like a neutral fan would have turned off in that first quarter, and then they come out after quarter time. It's a completely different game, and the Bombers kick into gear. They they kick uh, six goals to two. They open up a handy lead, maintain that going into the throughout the third quarter, and you think well. I think, uh, what was it, 20, 26 points, I think they were up at, during the third term. And you, you, you thought, well, you know, this looks like carrying on. And then the Giants started to work their way back and a uh, couple of late goals. And then final quarter, they kicked four goals to one and the Giants just too much class. But the Bombers really, really, really blew that at, at times. Um, and it, I, I put it back to just at the start there was just no desire to have a crack from the outset. I mean, that's staggering to think that. I can't think of many teams that just wouldn't want to take it on. From You know, you, you're keyed up to get the game underway. If you're going to take it on and make a mistake and get exciting, it's going to be in that first quarter, even if you're not talented enough throughout the game to, to win. Um, it was... And that, that means there's still some serious questions on the Giants as well. I know they've still mm. got Toby Green and one or two others to come back, but... Um, you look at that and think, you know, you've, you've just beaten a team that was really ordinary for good parts of that game. Um, really only had a good quarter or quarter and a half um, and you've only just snuck over the line and you didn't play your best footy. So there's some upside to the Giants, but there's also some questions there that where are they at? Yeah, you're not wrong. As I say, they've got a few players missing, so... Um while that's not necessarily an excuse, that perhaps a reason as to a bit poorer of a showing than what we're used to from the Giants. And look, Bombers were not out of this game at all. And you've touched on that. They've had their chances to win and just weren't good enough on the night. And uh, I I did sort of tune out in that first quarter. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, I had a. Uh, I had a Super Rugby going on there, and Melbourne Rebels were having a pretty good game, so uh, <laughs> wow. watching them for a bit, and then uh, <laughs> Footy managed to pull me back in. So once the goal started rolling through, so yeah. uh, no, look, uh, I, th- I feel like the Bombers are. There's a few Bombers just a little bit low on confidence, and uh, while that's not necessarily in the mids, it's probably in some of the other positions, namely probably the forward line. Oh, there's um, no forward line, yeah. There's yeah, no so, yeah. Um, when blokes. When you're relying on blokes like McKernan to and James Stewart to to be your key key figures down there, um, yeah. and McKernan struggles to hit a set shot at the best of times. Um, there was a moment there um, where Tip and Woody McDonald Tip and Woody um, got got one off a marking contest and turned around on the left. And when he's in form, he would have just absolutely nailed one of those, and it just drifted off to the left. And you could see. And there was another instance with. Um, McDonald Tip and Woody as well, where he'd marked about, I think it was 40, 45 out on a slight angle, and he kicked it to, I think it was McKernan, um, who was leading into the pocket, who was on a more acute angle, uh, but 30 metres out. And you'd think that um, a Waller in in confidence would have just gone back and slotted it. But um, I I was impressed with Zach Merritt's game. 
Um, yep. That's probably one of the better games I've seen him play for a little while. Um, problem is he didn't have a lot of help. Like There was a couple of bit players there running through the midfield, but they didn't have a massive heavy influence on the game. Um, I know we've pumped up Andy McGrath for a couple of weeks, yep. and even he was probably a little bit quiet for, for him, uh, especially given his recent form. Whereas you have a look, and uh, there was a nice even spread of contributors through the mids from from Gold Coast and they're well set up by Lockie Whitfield too um, the team that figures out that they need to nullify Lockie Whitfield will yeah, probably come exactly. out trumps against GWS so exactly. uh, we'll watch that with interest in the coming weeks and just the the uproar around the um, Cal Ward supposed mm. dive which was I was wondering if you're going to bring that up yeah it was laughable stuff really the fact mm. that um, he's gone in head first he's he's connected with him and then as he's connected he's swung himself around i wonder whether part of that is that he's come back from a knee injury doesn't want his leg getting stuck in the ground maybe he's mm. just it's a natural instinct to lift them and then he's spun a bit now there's no one harder in the no one harder in the game than than cal ward um i had the privilege of going up to gws a couple of years ago and interviewing cal and um, a handful of others and just the nicest bloke and just gives you a time of day and but on the field i would you'd run away from him before you'd run run towards him because he <laughs> um, and it was to hear that he'd been um, get death threats I mean we know mm. there's some real idiots out there and it's the most gutless thing in the world and so easy to just sit there and type something like that on online and then you know you don't have to worry about it but him and his family and everyone has to um and i posted a photo i had what taken with him and i put put it up and just yeah said my that. support and his um his mum got in touch with me, actually. Kerry. I am. Got, yeah, she got in touch with me and just said thank you for um, being a shiny light on a pretty dark day. So mm. I, I, yeah, you take from that that the family's copped it pretty pretty bad. And, uh, you know, if your son's had death threats against him and your, his kids, I think, you know, that was brought into it. And if some loser's doing that... Um, it filters down to mum and whoever else is in the family and girlfriend or wife or you know just it goes on and on so hard to really put it into words without dropping a few expletives because you just yeah. think these people are just as low as it gets but uh, they're out there as we all know and that's um that's the reality in our weird world that we live in yeah. but um i'm glad that um, Cal come out and called them out for it because um, there'd be players, as he said, less maybe mentally tough as him who um, who would that could really tip them the other way. So um, I, I wish there was a way that we could track all these people online, and maybe there is, but hopefully there is because uh, it needs to be cut out. And um, yeah, I'm, mm. as I, as I wrote online, I said. Uh, all these people that are writing these things, if Cal Orb was coming at them in the other direction, I dare say they'd jump out of the way. So to accuse him of um, diving or flopping like Papley is a bit laughable, to be honest. But uh, yeah, 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 and that's that's the double-edged sword of social media, isn't it? The good part is everyone gets their voice, but the bad part is everyone has a voice. So yeah, um, that's that's right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. so um, it was it was lovely of Cal's mum to get in touch, and um, glad, Absolutely. glad that um, 
she was seeing the support throughout the league. Everyone, I think, was in uproar over these morons. So mm. they didn't reflect on all us Essendon supporters, hopefully. But um, Carlton, Frio, Hawthorne and the Eagles all had buys. Round 11, um, a couple of games have been done. Um, the main one to talk about, really, is Port Adelaide and Richmond on Saturday evening. Uh, that was billed as one of the top-of-the-table clashes and it more than lived up to its hype. It was the best game of the year, 13-15-93 Port, 11-6-72 Richmond and Port, even though it was on all night, Port always seemed that little bit ahead um, in terms of they just seemed to be able to keep keep finding something each time Richmond challenged them and it was as strong a win as you're going to get for a team that's trying to show that they're premiership material. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, this game had a bit of everything as well. So, geez, Port came out of the blocks early, though, didn't they? they absolutely yep. had Richmond on toast for that first half of the of the first quarter. And who Missed knows, a couple had, of sitters, didn't they? Yeah. Um, had Charlie Dixon been able to kick a couple straight, they would have been in worse uh, shape, I would have thought, Richmond. But to their credit, got back into the game. Um, look, I know Jack Rewald ended with three goals, but they're they pretty cheap for mine. Um, he, he got a couple of cheapies there. so um, But all credit to him. He's starting to work himself back into a little bit of form, so he's been out of form, so that's good for the Tigers. Um, but as you say, look, Port showed that they're actually here to to win the whole thing, as everyone else is, but they're, they're in really good shape to do that. And we've mentioned uh, Charlie Dixon before. He was, he was a beast oh, again. He was. Uh, yeah, he was. Um, I feel sorry for the, the blokes that have to play <laughs> on him because he's an absolute monster, and I can only imagine what he looks like in real life. Uh, yeah. having, having seen um, myself what Barry Hall looks like in real life, uh, walking through Chatty one day, I can only imagine what Charlie Dixon looks like. Yeah, because um, I reckon he's bigger again, I reckon, yeah. And yeah. God, he just competes and competes, and he, as we said, he must come out black and blue after a game, just bruised up, but, boy, does he provide what every team wishes they could get from you know Geelong have it with a Tom Hawkins some teams mm. have it and some just wish they have it yeah I'm not wrong I can you look at Port's um, top disposal getters the top seven in the game were all Port so Boak, Wines, Gray, Rockliffe, Butters, Amon, Pal Pepper, that midfield rotation, they're all on top. So, And then you have a look at who are the major ball winners for Richmond. You've got McIntosh, Floston and Short, so mostly Backman. So while the game didn't necessarily play out like that, um, you can see that Port's obviously been able to get on top in the mid and it was probably the difference in the, in the end. And uh, if, if ever... You've tried to imagine what it must have been like in the Colosseum back in the Roman Roman days of uh, centuries ago. Uh, that port crowd, when there were some absolutely appalling umpiring decisions in that game, just just horrendous. And uh, that crowd, <laughs> I thought they were going to, going to riot at one point in the second term. It was as loud as you would hear for a hundred thousand MCG crowd. I don't think there might have only been ten thousand people there, but it mm. was it was. Everything about that game was it was finals like it was grand final like it was it had everything and uh, you were riding at every contest you were just riding this amazing thriller um, and that is that is why we keep watching footy because every now and again we hope we get one of those games amongst all the rubbish ones that we get but that was just two teams that uh, you know at the top of their game and 
um, that young Laddams, fantastic. Um, Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, really handy for them. Butters is emerging as a gun young player. Uh, Travis Spoke has to be, I would hope, in the top couple for the Brownlow. It's been um, just a warrior for them this year. Um, mm. It had everything, and yeah, it was. If Port had a kick straight early on, especially, but if they had a kick straight throughout the night, they they would have won by more. So that was a really commanding win for Port Adelaide. Gee, they'll hope that somehow the SA government can um, convince the AFL to take the grand final there because uh, <laughs> that's that'd be huge for them, wouldn't it? Oh, they'll be throwing the kitchen sink at the AFL. Yeah, for sure. Come and play down here. Uh, sadly, I don't think they'll get it just quietly. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. A um, couple more games, mate. We'll just... Yeah, Brisbane Bulldogs. Is that what we're up to? Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, Brisbane. Again, it was probably... Dogs actually started really well, and then after they quarter did. time, at, or even sort of halfway through... They were in front halfway through the second term, and then Brisbane just went to went to town on them and Matty Dunn doesn't want us to even talk about this at the paper news he, he wants to pretend this didn't happen so we won't spend too much time on it but Brisbane 14 uh, 96 to 11 72 and I was about to tee off on Eric Hipwood this week and then he's come out and mm-hmm. he's kicked five and that was that was him actually showing his talent because he's just been a waste up there I reckon for a few weeks and yes. um, he was uh, he, he proved that he's he's got what it takes, but now he has to back it up and back it up because he's such a verse. He's got that Buddy Franklin sort of um, versatility to his game, and uh, uh, yeah, but he didn't have the swagger to back it up in terms of output. But if he can do that a few more times, um, we'll start to talk about him in a different conversation. But yeah, no, the, the line's too good, and again, it's a it's a game they should have won anyway, really. So we can't sort of hang that as being a premiership type performance but uh, they did the job that they needed to do to get over a, a team they should have beaten yeah it was a, a nice little turnaround from their previous game where they just couldn't kick straight so uh good yeah, it was good to see um hipwood uh notch a few goals uh, so five's a, a nice little bag these day and age um archie was really good early as well he provided a different option up forward i think he faded throughout the last half but uh he was good and and uh two big disposal getters there i wanted to mention mccray getting 40 touches in these shortened quarter games that's <laughs> that's a little okay. bit insane uh and he's had some he's strung some really good uh games together mccray he's yeah. he started to play in the dogs uh sort of Slump. He's uh, he's been the mainstay in that midfield. So credit to him. Uh, he and Bont were probably the main contributors in that midfield for the game, and they just didn't have enough help. And you have a look in Neil Lyons, uh, Witherden, Zorko, Bailey, McCluggage, uh, McCluggage especially. Who had twenty one touches and two goals. Um, he showed why he was such a high draft pick, and he goes a bit unnoticed, I think, because he's up in Brisbane, whereas your more popular players like uh, the Lockie Neal and the Dane Zorkos of the world seem to get all the attention. Uh, They just had a a lot better spread of contributors, I think. Um, And then you have a look at some of the other players. So I I think Josh Dunkley's been brought back a little bit early. He had a pretty decent ankle injury, and he was listed on that injury list as... uh, at least a couple of weeks away when he got named uh, initially. So I'm just wondering if he, and maybe even Norton, I think it, they've identified that they need another 
call up forward there to help out Bruce because obviously Bruce hasn't been doing the job and we get to pot him again in twice in one episode. But um, I think they brought in Norton just to address the fact that they need that extra second tall and he potentially could be underdone as well. So um, perhaps the depth down at Doggies is not quite what they hoped it would be. Um, and look, Libba's been a really good contributor, but they're, they're just, I I did uh, mention that this 20-day stretch of 33 games will have an effect on some teams. I think that's happening to the Dogs at the moment. Yep. They're just Fair not cool. handling it as well as some other teams. Fair cool. Mandy Dunn says uh, move on, so we will. Um, <laughs> i tell you what, a couple of games to go, but uh, Sunday, Sunday afternoon it was... Looked like the Blues were going to cause one of the great upsets of the season. They were uh, in the third quarter. They were about, uh, I think, twenty points up in the third quarter, and then the Eagles started to work their way through and start to utilise their their key forwards. and And it's a pretty potent forward line. And uh, mm. the Blues did a brilliant effort, really. And then they cracked late in the game. But until then, they they'd really uh, performed really well 11672 the eagles to 7850 the blues and blues didn't lose any fans out of that game i don't reckon just um, the more classy team got it done at the end um, yep. they had a better forward line i guess to choose from the the blues relied on a Zach Fi- uh, Zach Fisher is it um, yeah, to, Zach Fisher. in the famous Jezelinko 25 to um, to kick i think it was four goals so um, when you when your top scorer is coming from a wing or a half forward, uh, and then the Eagles have got the likes of Kennedy and Darling and three or four others that can bob up, um, that's probably going to be the difference in the end. And that was probably what was the difference in the end. Yeah, look, the Blues aren't too far away, are they? They're, they're just missing a couple of puzzle pieces, I think. They're they're almost there. Um, they've just bought the the thousand piece puzzle, and they're they're missing a, a yeah. couple of pieces uh, that they brought from the thrift shops. So, <laughs> that's um, yeah, look, uh, that's a horrible analogy, I know, but <laughs> uh, yeah, they're almost there, and. Uh, they're starting to string some good performances together. They just need to turn them into wins. And um, I think Blues fans, they've been hanging out for years. They've been like the, the old school supporters will be used to so much um, so much success uh, in the past and Carlton being such a strong club. And, and now they've, they've just had years and years of, of failures and re- rebuilds and uh, non-success that <laughs> the, the new current generation of uh, supporters are just starting to get used to it and a bit fed up with it a bit. Yeah. But uh, look, uh, I think David Teague's probably got them in the right direction. Uh, yep. time, will, time will tell on that, I think, and it may depend on their off season as to how they go but nothing nothing against west coast they're definitely the we've said they're the sleeping giant that's suddenly awoken and they're well and truly awake and they're they're coming down the beanstalk to stomp on all the villages at the moment so uh, (laughs) that they're knocking on the door of that top four uh nick nat was big again and uh i saw a lot of people mentioning dom sheed I, i think about a month ago Dom Sheed may not, I did mention Dom Sheed may not have been uh, a common name in Victorian households. I dare say he's going to be now. Yeah, geez, they've just got so many that can go through there when they're all up and running. It's a scary prospect if they're all all on on the same day. But gee, a West Coast Port grand final at the moment would be pretty exciting. But I know you're uh, pushing for your Saints <laughs> to get up there. And um, the last game wasn't one that we really need to spend too much time on Melbourne. 
too good really for uh, particularly the second half. North Melbourne had a crack for a while, but 13-14-92 to 5-5-35 North. They just can't get a score on the board and the Ds did what they do. And as I said about the other Melbourne game earlier, that Jackson and Wiedemann and uh, you know guys like that that can step up and they just North would have loved to have had those blokes to kick to in the forward line, but it was a game of game of turnovers really, particularly in the first half, and it was it was tough to watch to be honest because it just mm. yeah after the after the high of the Port game the the day before uh, this one was a bit of a fizzer, but Melbourne uh, again it's a win that a top team should make, and they've uh, they've accounted for North pretty comfortably. Yeah, they did in the end, didn't they? Look, North to their credit stayed in that game for. Oh, probably two and a half, three yeah, quarters. For sure, yeah. uh, and then uh, Melbourne just had a bit of party time at the end and uh, got a bit of junk time goals. So, And look, credit to Melbourne too. They're starting to find their, their groove a little bit, albeit uh, against the lower sides. So they've, they've had wins against Adelaide and, and North and neither of those sides are travelling well. Um, I think North have got the same issue as all the rest of the bottom sides in the sense that they don't have a functioning forward line. Um, doesn't help the Ben Brown, who's well, one or two or three years ago was one of the best forwards in the competition, and now he can't uh, now he can't slot a goal at this point in time. Yeah. Um, North are lucky they've got Luke McDonald down back, uh, just running things down there because I dare say they'd be in a bit more of a spot of bother if he wasn't around, and he's had a cracking couple of rounds. Um, Shawnee Higgins has been a massive pickup for North too. Um, if he was in that, if he wasn't in that side. Um, I dare say they'll be missing something in that midfield as well. But Melbourne, once again, um, Clayton Oliver's followed up his massive game from the from the week just being uh, with another big one. Uh, and good to see uh, Angus Brayshaw. I almost said Andrew yeah. then. Uh, Angus Brayshaw's gone back into form, so he's had a couple of lean games and he's found the footy. Um, Petraka, who we didn't mention from the, from the week just being, um, had a sort of mild game. I, I sort of accused of, of accusing him on Twitter of not, having a massive game up to half time and then he sort of worked his way in he didn't have a fantastic game but this one he he really shone and had he have kicked straight he would have had three goal, three goals at the end of the game true um yeah, North North uh, mainly got their score through Nick Larkey, um who's been on the list a couple of years and look he's an exciting prospect but he currently he's still just a prospect I think so he needs to put a bit more weight on him and you can't really expect Magic Door to uh, do the magical things that he was doing when he first came into the game and while he provides a target he's not necessarily up to where he needs to be so uh, North is staring down the barrel of a, a little I know their injury list is quite large but they're, they're staring down the barrel of a potential rebuild at this stage I think while Melbourne just winning the games they need to win yeah, and they're lucky the Crows are as bad as they are. It's keeping um, a couple of teams off the bottom. Um, the, the the final games to finish this weird uh, round 11, <laughs> uh, tonight, Monday night, St Kilda and the Cats, which promises to be an absolute ripper. Uh, Frio Hawks is, uh, I think I actually tipped the Dockers here, but this is a really interesting game. Uh, mm. And then, so that's a double header tonight. And then... Tomorrow night is Adelaide and the Pies. You would think the Pies would get it done, but they're shaky and they're a bit short on numbers uh, at the top end, the Pies, so that's an interesting one. Then my Bombers will probably get done by the Suns because that's the way things are happening for the Dons at the moment. So I'm not I'm not sure whether I'm confident that we can get the job done up there or not. It depends what team turns up on the day, but the Suns 
just looking at the odds, and I'm not a punter at all, but they're actually favourites, the Suns, so that shows where the Bombers are. are at at the moment. Um, yeah, so that will round out round 11, and then we'll start to... Uh, oh, we don't really round get 12. back into... Yeah, and then it just rolls into round <laughs> Straight 12. Straight into round so, 12. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's sort of a very um, rushed overview of everything that's happened over the last week and a bit. Port Adelaide are on top, a game clear of Brisbane. Then you've got St Kilda and the Eagles are third and fourth. Richmond are alone in fifth. Uh, Geelong and the Giants are sixth and seventh. Collingwood's alone in eighth. Um, Melbourne, Bulldogs and Essendon are nine, ten and eleven. Um there's a three-way tie for Suns, Carlton, Hawthorne at 12, 13 and 14. Then you've got uh, Frio, North and Sydney are all on 12 wins and then the Crows yet to have a win. So it's a very rolling ladder. It's changing every day, mm. not every week. Um, so very interesting. Um, your thoughts, anything local footy, mate, that stand out for you this, uh, this week? Any new signings, anything happening in the Gippsland region? Yeah, so uh, look, uh, as we stated last week, the all the competitions are off, so they were playing junior footy, uh, and that that's all done and dusted due to COVID reasons, so no results this week or for the foreseeable future this year. Uh, a couple of good articles to shout out, so uh, there's a Gippsland magazine called Gippslandia who have a social media presence. Uh, they posted an article uh, about, <clears throat> pardon me, an interview done by Liam Durkin so he is a Maui footballer who's also a Gipps, uh, Gippsland Times journalist uh, so he had an interview with Kevin Hogan who's a very well known and respected uh, footy person or sports person out in the sale way uh, unfortunately passed away this year so that was done obviously before his death uh, it, would, it would be a bit hard to do that after he died yeah. but um, no that's a very good one so more than welcome to check that out that's on the Gippslandia Website, Facebook page. I've also shared it on Gippsland Footy. Uh, Russell Bennett had a very good article with Mindful Oz. So that's all about uh, some guys who are doing some work in the mental health field and running seminars and and whatnot. So if you're wanting to do something in that space, uh, check out Russell's article on Packenham Gazette. Sorry, Matty, for spooking another paper, but that's also shared on Gippsland Footy as well. Uh, and we spoke off air about a, a book I managed to pick up from Laurie Williams, uh, Gippsland Football Facts and Figures. So it's got a, it's got a plethora of uh, tiny little stories and results uh, dating back to the early 1900s. Uh, there's plenty of results there from clubs that don't exist anymore and <laughs> nice little stories. Uh, so that's if you're interested in that, lauriefooty at hotmail.com. I believe he's almost sold out, if not already, so he might have to print off a few more copies. Uh, so get in touch there. Uh Local re-signings, so uh, Trailgun Ties United, Turret and Dalmore, and Dalston. Dalston uh, actually re-signed Brad Fisher, so the the ex-Carlton player. Um, he, he's been at Dalston before and left, and now he's coming back next year. Uh, special mention to Nyora as well. Um, bloke called Nugget Layton is going to play his 29th senior footy year uh, down <laughs> at Nyora, so... Um, oh, yeah. 
yeah, a good stretch for him. And um, yeah. I'm sure the Nile president, Gavin Doig, will be very happy I mentioned that for him. So, good day, Gav, if you're listening. Uh, a couple of new coach signings. So, the Dusties women's have got a new coach and Dalston have also got a new coach. Uh, and Thorpedale have re-signed Ray Pickering for the 2021 season. So, good that Thorpedale is sticking with them. They've had a few struggles in recent years uh, while playing finals probably three or four years ago. Uh, I've been scouring uh, some Gippsland history photos, so now that we're sort of in a time where there's not a lot of content going around locally, so there's a uh, Facebook group called Gippsland History and uh, there's been a a thread of old team photos sort of Mm. popping up in that group, so I've managed to share a few there. So there's old photos from Tura, Mafra, uh, old jumper from Cowa back when they were the Maroons, uh, Lindeno, Hayfield, Swan Reach. Uh, they're all shared on the Gippsland Footy Facebook page if you want to check that out. Uh, there's also from Devon, back when they were only Devon, uh, Briagalong, back when they were only Briagalong, and uh, Fernbank Imperials, who were no longer in existence and have been for some time, to my knowledge. So that's all there on the Gippsland Footy page. Um, Yarragon is seeking a playing assistant coach and Hayfield is seeking coaches for seniors, reserves and under-18s. A few good COVID shares. So Yulon Yulon North um, shared a a nice little masked memories post uh, which is designed to promote positivity in this sort of negative space that we're in at the moment, which is really good. Uh, Neil Madanum, Footy Footy Club also posted a similar thing that that was a video so good to see them up and about uh you know uh, also put out a post in covid related that was alluding that there may have been a active case down at training but they they set it out very straight so well done to you now for that i'll cap it off uh locally with uh guys called country footy score so they've been around for some time and they post uh, all the country footy scores on a saturday uh from across the Vic region. So uh, our mate Paul Daffy, who was on last week, would be right across these guys. Uh, Glenn McMahon, I believe the guy, the guy's name is, who runs it up there. Uh, so he's recently posted out over the weekend. Uh, so the most popular Vic Country Footy Club mascots. So there's 38 teams in Vic Country that are named the Tigers. 32 uh, the, are either Kangaroos, Kangas or the Roos. 26 that are the magpies and 25 to the that are the bulldogs and the demons so they were the most they were the top five out of um the top six out of uh the most popular club mascots he also posted the most unique club mascots so the rules were uh no one else could be using this mascot it was uh, unique to one team so gippsland got a couple nanaguna the goon uh and bucking <laughs> Bucking are the cavemen, so no one else has that in Victoria. <laughs> uh, there was others out there uh, that weren't in the Gippsland area, so just in Vic country in general. So Blighty, who were the Red Eyes. Yes, we used to uh, play against them. Yeah, Nathalia, the Perps. Um, Congupna, the Road. Ocean Grove, <laughs> Ocean Grove Grubbers. Uh, Frankston, YCW Stonecats. Tyab Yabbies. Lancaster Wombats and the Yarrawonga Pigeons. Uh, there was a special mention to Bridgewater Mean Machine and Mathura Timbercutters. So Mathura, yeah, I played against them as well. And yep. and uh, another one that wasn't mentioned was Yarrawea, which is a one-house town almost. Uh, played my first game of footy against them. And they are the Grasshoppers. That's one that you don't hear too often either. 
Mm, yeah, that's right. Uh, the you jump on the Facebook comments and they're going, oh, what about these guys, these guys, these guys? So, um, when you get the parrots, there probably isn't many parrots out there either. I don't think there is. I think he did make mention of the parrots and there was another club with the parrots. So I think they just fell out. But, uh, yeah, good they were research, pretty close. Though. Good research. It's an interesting yeah, topic, does. isn't it? Yeah. He does good work up there, Glenn, so uh, credit to him and credit to uh, Country Footy Scores. Check him out if you want any more information on that. Nice work again. The great man, Owen Carter, right across everything. I mean, let's be honest, there's no games on, and yet he's been able to fill a 10-minute segment of just uh, <laughs> everything else that's happening in the local area, which is pretty impressive, really, because... Uh, um, there's still a lot going on. There's still people wanting to talk footy or watch footy or wish they could be involved in some way. So everyone's finding different avenues to stay in the conversation. That's fantastic. That uh, um, yeah, a bit of fun with the with the mascots. Excuse me. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. Good stuff. Well, I think we've covered everything. Uh, big O, I reckon we're uh, across everyone. We got some good feedback last week from our chat with Paul Daffy. They probably wanted us to to just shut up and just let Paul finish the day and uh, he was fascinating to listen to so we might get him on later in the season around finals time or something but um, he was terrific but uh, going to be an interesting few days of footy and we look forward to bringing you I won't even try and guess what round it will be next time we talk to you but uh, <laughs> it <laughs> it's, it's moving by the day but uh, hopefully you're staying safe out there you've got your mask on uh, we've taken ours off just for this conversation, but we'll pop them back on when we're when we're done. How, how are you going? You got the beard, and I've got a bit of facial growth myself, and uh, it gets a bit itchy. The old mask, doesn't it, mate? Oh, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I, I remember the first time I put it on. Going, oh, I can't get this on. I'm, probably the first day I wore it, I had to take it off oh, half a dozen times just to scratch the old beard. So uh, you get you get used to it a, a little bit more, but yeah, it's uh, it's not overly comfortable but you know where we are at the moment it's a it's a necessity so Whatever we've got to do, do the right thing right. don't be a disgrace wrap your face ah nice slogan you might have to pop that on a band on a on a mask pop that on the front of the mask <laughs> make a bit of money out of lots, that, no lots of people i know um coming up with mask ideas it's been really um yeah, people are getting proactive. There's some good ones out there, so it's worth checking them out. But uh, I, I tried the old Twitter, Twitter hashtag. It didn't quite work out, so ah. maybe I'll give it a second go. Yeah, yeah. Just keep trying to trend. Um, very good. Owen Carter, thanks again, mate. It's been another uh, action-packed weekend of, or week of footy, and uh, we look forward to analysing everything else that happens over the next seven days, and we'll talk to you again next Monday. That's been Any Given Monday for round whatever it is and uh, we'll, <laughs> round uh, August and uh, you're the only team that's winning at the moment mate so you can send us out again thank you Dr Dan thank you listeners go Saints and hopefully your team wins in round August any given Monday 